Welcome to the Hot Property Podcast. Hot Property is a podcast designed to arm first home buyers with all the tools they need to be a savvy buyer in a hot property market. My name is Emma Stanley and I am your host. I'm a property lawyer and property investor. I love all things property. Not only do I have years of experience under my belt as a property lawyer, but I also bring you my practical experience and knowledge. The information in this podcast is not legal or financial advice, and you are encouraged to seek your own legal advice before entering into a binding property transaction. Now, grab a cup of tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In this episode, I interview Brenda Nom, Mortgage and Insurance Advisor. Brenda's aim is to simplify home ownership and insurance as much as possible. Brenda and I have worked together on many deals and she does an amazing job for all of her clients. Brenda talks to us about the recent changes to home loan applications affecting first home buyers. She also shares with us lots of tips and tricks for those wanting to get on the property ladder. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome Brenda. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me. It's um, going to be an exciting discussion time, I feel. Absolutely. So this morning, we're going to be talking about all thing mortgages, uh, particularly for first home buyers. And there's been a lot of changes and a lot of media attention at the moment. So I think this podcast is just so timely and um, any listeners are going to get a lot from it. So I just want to start, Brenda, with a bit of background about yourself. Um, you know, how you got into being a mortgage broker and your your background? Sure. Um, so I've been in the actual financial industry for 18 years. I have been in my own business for 10 years um, in Invercargill. And I guess it, it kind of just sort of happened by accident. But I knew that my time had kind of ended in the banking industry with a lot of changes. And um, then when I found out about being a, a mortgage broker advisor, um, it just really appealed to me and it was just like a natural kind of fit. So um, yeah, I just decided that's what I was going to do. And, and so I did it. I started off like any business, I guess, small um, and, and sort of grew from there. And then now I, I guess I found that kind of sweet spot of um, where I've landed today, which is, um, is great so it's it's really been rewarding and um just quite a beautiful journey really just seeing all my clients get into their first home and then get into their next home and um kind of yeah I guess get you know we're kind of here for the long long um journey that they have and involved in that process so um yeah it's it's really exciting to be able to be part of that for clients I think that seems to be a major theme of these podcasts is about um, building relationships with people um, because I, I know that's, as you've just mentioned, that's one thing that's really important to you and um, having clients come to you as first home buyers and then come back to you as they upgrade their house and decide to do other things. Um, yeah. And would you say that that's sort of the, the most enjoyable part of the job for you? It definitely is because I'm kind of like their watchdog. 
Um, because I also do insurances like life and income and health insurance and those sorts of things, um, I'm always looking at little windows of opportunity where they can increase their cover without medical underwriting. Or I saw someone had a child on Facebook last night. So I'm going to um, ensure that they get 50,000 of free kids cover. Like I'm kind of always on the lookout um, of how I can improve their lives. And I think that to me is probably the most rewarding is just making sure that they've got the right advice, the right products, you know, any other little freebies that they can and that they understand what they've got every few years because people kind of forget, oh, what insurance have I got? Um, and then also with being able to add KiwiSaver into the mix now, I'm kind of like their go-to, which is um, which is really nice, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Gosh, to have that person there who is just keeping an eye out for you, a bit like a guardian angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds better than a guard dog. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure that, you know, um, people get the service and um, and and what, what they need at that time without necessarily having to go directly to you um and saying look these things have changed or yeah so I think that's absolutely amazing it's just I think because people don't review their situation I take that responsibility to give them the opportunity to do that and half of them might say no and half of them might say oh yeah I should and then I'm like okay you're coming in because it's just not something like people don't review their wills they don't review um, certain things so I guess when you've got someone looking out for you it gives you that incentive to um, like if I haven't seen clients in, in quite a number of years I don't really give them the option and that sounds quite bossy but they know what I'm like and I'm like hey I have not seen you you need to get in here and have a chat I miss you um, so sometimes um, I, I really kind of just say look you're coming in because um, I need to take control to make sure that things are, 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 are in a, in a their ducks are in a row if worst case scenario should strike because I think it's quite a responsible um care of duty I've got as an advisor to do that so mm. yeah that's um part of the service yeah amazing and to be honest we could do a whole nother podcast on insurances and that's I probably something that I'll look at doing in a couple of months as well because yeah. that really does go hand in hand with having a mortgage um yeah. so so we can get you back on to talk about that. But um, for for mortgages, um, I guess, can you explain the difference between a mortgage broker and going to your bank for lending? Of course. Yeah, so the main difference is um, if you approach the bank, they're going to say yes or no, okay? However, we've got um, access to all the different banks. So first of all, um, the first thing a broker normally does, what I do, is I first of all look at your current bank just because it's potentially easier and you don't have, for you, because you don't have to swap all your banking across to someone else. So we look at that. If it doesn't work, then obviously we've got all the rest of the other banks to look at. So you don't just have that kind of one shot. And sometimes... Um, you might not fit with your current bank. So I'll do the research for you. So I guess the difference is you've got a lot more um, options and you're guided by my advice. So I do the research for you. 
I give you the recommendations. I give you the tips and tricks. Um, so you're getting advice. And I think that's where um, so many people go to mortgage brokers or um, financial advisors now because advice is the missing key. You need to know how to get from there to here. So, um, yeah, and then as far as I go, as a financial advisor, I've got, you know, the mortgages, the KiwiSaver and the um, insurances. So that's, yeah, that's basically that. And then also we get paid commission based on your mortgage settling. So you move into a home, we get commission from the bank for that. Um, however, in some cases, there is an application fee. Um, but if you bring your business over to me um, in, in sort of all respects, then, you know, we can we can look at discounting that. Um, so, yeah, there may be an administration fee just because there is a lot of work now that the banks require from, from us. They pretty much want to know everything apart from your blood type, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we work. We guide you through the process. We tell you what you need to do when you need to do it. Um, and we've just got your back, I guess, that, that support that you need instead of, you know, someone at work telling you this story and someone else telling you to do that. Um, it's just you've got that consistency as well, which gives you the confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And so and essentially you do a lot of the groundwork. Um, you do the hard yards basically for the, for the client that you're looking for, looking after. That's exactly it. And then yep. I present some possible scenarios or options on a plate and they pick them. And yeah, we sort of just go down whichever road they want to. Yeah. Do you have access to better interest rates because you're a mortgage broker? That's a grey area. Um, we used to, but now... Um, yeah, it's a hard one. The, the, the margins are, you know, apparently tight for banks. So a lot of them aren't discounting much more than their special rates. However, in saying that, there is ways that I know how to present a deal to a certain bank where they might not have to pay um, the difference between one, one and a half percent in interest, which is huge. So whilst they might not get the, the discounts always because the bank specials are quite good and quite competitive, if you don't get the right advice, in some cases, I'll know a bank that doesn't do um, something that another bank does and therefore by popping you into that other bank, we're saving you a lot of money that you just wouldn't know otherwise. But mm. it's kind of a you know, the bigger the loan, the more um, wriggle room we may have with the banks. But um, in some cases, it's just these special interest rates. But we'll certainly try and get you a better rate and definitely some cash towards your legal fees and things like that. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really good thing as well. If people can get some money, some help with their legal fees, what we call a cash contribution. That's exactly it. And, you know, yeah. all they want is you to bring your relationship to them. And, and that's just what I tell clients to expect these days. Um, and, you know, the sort of, you know, anywhere from 1500 to three grand. Um, I think one of the banks is doing up to 5000 at the moment. But of course, if you read the T's and C's, that's for a sort of higher loan for maybe not in Invercargill, around South, <laughs> or, you know, around um, Central. But, 
you know, it, it's really, really good because it just gives you that little bit of um, certainty, you know, you're going to get that cash. And sometimes, as you know, your legal fees may be a bit less, so it's a bit of extra money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yep. petrol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> groceries. Mm. Um, so we know that there's been a lot of media attention around the first home buyers and how things have tightened up with for them um, with the banks, and it's been harder for them lately to get um, home loans approved. Can you talk to us about that, whether that's in fact true and what's sort of happening there? I definitely can, and I will try and keep my um, very strong opinions to a minimum. Um, yeah, so there's a combination of factors here. We've got one, the interest rates have, have skyrocketed up, which means, um, I'll just give you an example. The bank's average interest rate across the board as at today was 5.15% for two years fixed. However, when we work out how much you can borrow, on average, the banks use an interest rate of 7%. So it's a lot higher. There's a big buffer there to make sure that you're not going to, um, you know, have to do a mortgagee sale when it comes up for refixing if the rate's higher. So that's one factor why things are definitely tight and hard. The second factor is the counting of the coffees, which, you know, people are sort of laughing at, but um, you know, it's the, you know, you know, going out, it's the dining out, it's the Uber Eats, it's all of those sorts of things. And, you know, back sort of pre-November last year, it was more at a rough budget, whereas now it's actual. So um, that there is, is making things really, really challenging. And um, we're not sure how much of a change there will be after the June the 1st, if any. Um, so we're just waiting to see what's happened there. Um, so it's 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 hard because who who may have been a good client with the bank is now forced to look at a second tier lender. Um, and so whilst the bank's thinking, you know, they've got to be careful not to have a vulnerable client, which is one of the stipulations in the responsible lending code, they actually. Um, it's actually going the opposite way. It's making some of those good clients be vulnerable and have to go second tier. Um, however, I made some phone calls yesterday and even the second tier lenders are starting to look more closely at expenditure. So it's kind of just across the board, really. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how things pan out in the next three to six months to see where if there's any adjustments made to make things a bit more realistic or not because we all know that our discretionary spending we can change um so you know we can mitigate some things like you know they're going to give up sky they're going to you know you know do this do that but you know you've really got to um have a strategy um and it may or not be listened to by the bank because it's up to them so it's tough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Can you just explain what second tier lender, a second sure. tier lender? So basically it's a non-bank. I work with about four of them. Um, one of them was really, really good and almost similar banks to the rate, uh, similar interest rates to the bank. However, um, as of yesterday, I see that skyrocketed up to about 7.49 fixed for two years. 
Um, but what it is is basically um, they will charge a higher interest rate. 90% um, of the time you need 20% deposit. Um, you also need a valuation as well. But they, I guess, are, I would have said a lot more relaxed, but now I'll say a little bit more relaxed than some of the main banks. So there is a window to look at those opportunities and then refinance back to your um, bank or to another bank through your broker. Um, and it may be a couple of years time when things may have settled. But, you know, the thing, the risk factor is you've got to see whether or not, you know, can you get back to a trading bank? Because what if the market's still, if the banks are still, um, you know, pretty hard going. But there's a few different options, um, paying interest only for a couple of years. It just really depends how desperate people are. I will look at all options, but I will give them the pros and cons because not always that is the best option either. But but first home buyers want to enter the market. So they just really are like, Brenda, we don't care. We just want to buy a home. So you've got to kind of look and, and, and discuss all scenarios on the table, but make sure that they're aware of um, any pros and cons. Mm -hmm. So a couple of questions there. Um, do you think the psyche around wanting to get into the property market is changing at all? I do in some ways. I think people are, with the media, I think people have kind of stopped looking for a little bit. Some of the first home buyers that may not have 20% deposit, um, I think they've kind of shied away a little bit because of all this you know, spending, takeaways, oh, I wouldn't get a loan things like that, um, without really kind of working out a plan. Um, and uh, so I think that's one thing. The second thing is because prices have gone up over the last, I guess, 18 months, 12 months, it's harder for clients now to have that 20% deposit. Um, so again, there needs to be conversations held with parents, gifting, um, you know, lots of different other scenarios that need to be considered because things do seem to be sort of getting out of people's reach. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, if you were a couple buying something for 350000 it was easier to, you know, come up with that 70000 between your Kiwi Savers and the housing grants. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it, I think it's just, you know, people know it's tougher and, um they are either waiting in, in, until they've got more money or waiting to see after the 1st of June what might be coming out of the regulation space uh, with any changes. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the other question I had around that, so first-time buyers or in general buyers are still required to have a 20% deposit? Well, in this environment, unless they're a doctor with no debt or student loan, they could probably get uh, less than 20% deposit. But because the servicing rates are high and they're calculating what you spend, it's just really, really difficult. Um, it's really, really hard. Um, so, yeah, I, it's all about budget. And um, I can give you a few tips at the end about how to um, get yourself in the best, best position before you um you know look at look at options 
Because I know that a while ago we used to have the welcome home loans. Are they still out there or? Yes. Right. So they are there, but the problem is that the cap is 400. So, you know, unless you're a single person or a couple that wants to look at a one or two bedroom um, place, it is so hard to find those wee gems under 400. Um, there's been a few private sales where family have sold them the house for under 400, which is really good. So they've managed to both get the $5,000 grant each. So yes, they are available. Um, again, you know, they're judged by the servicing rate, they're judged by your bank account spending. So, you know, in some ways, whichever way road you go down, you've still sort of got these challenges to face, which I guess that's what we help people work through. Um, because some people just need to know where they are going and what to do. And that's half the problem. They don't know um, mm. because they're not getting advice. Yeah, absolutely. So for those who aren't aware, the Welcome Home Loan was a, um, a, a loan for first-home buyers. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> a loan for first-home buyers. And you only needed a 10% deposit. 5% with some of the banks. Yeah, yeah. And the, as I understand it, um, the banks had a certain allowance of those loans available during specific time periods and then once they'd used them up that was it yeah kind of yep mm -hmm. um there's a bit more wriggle room with how many they can do because there's just not many much demand for it mm -hmm. um, it was more that less than 20 percent deposit that wasn't a welcome home loan they've got a ratio that they have to stick to and once they've passed that they can't do any further lending. So sometimes if they've been given out too many loans and they're under over 80 space, they will keep in the service either, they will keep changing the criteria to make it harder so that there's, they're keeping their books balanced with the right levels. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. Oh, that's, that's excellent information there, Brenda. Thank you. All right. So when clients um, do come to you, can you sort of run us through the application process? Okay. So the first thing I do is give them like a free 30-minute um, chat um, just because I want to have a quick look at their um, income and debts and things. They fill out an online form. Um, from there, if I think there's got a potential um, that, you know, I don't want to take them through the process if I don't think that they're, going, they're not ready yet, so I'd give them a few bits of free advice or they can um, pay um, an hourly rate to continue on for longer if they wish or come back and see me. Um, but if they're going to a, um, a, a, a application process, it's quite simple. We just need confirmation of their income. The banks are a bit more tight now. They would like letters from their employers specifying minimum hours and any possible overtime. Um, ID, obviously, um, their KiwiSaver letters um, and then we send them a link to do their bank statements and this is where it's kind of scary but kind of exciting if you're crazy like me um, is that the these statements that they that you get 
uh, through a system that we use as mortgage brokers. So it itemizes, it itemizes where um, you're spending your money. So $261 on alcohol a month, you know, $322 on Uber Eats. So it puts them into categories. Um, and then we've got to filter through some of those because some of them are not 100% correct. Um, it said that I spend $2,157 on food the other day. And I was like, that is not right. And if it is, I've got a problem. <laughs> is that a month? But, yeah. So I did an audit and it's untrue. They were counting an automatic payment that goes into our account, into that account. So we actually, we think we spend 800 but the actual result was $1,231. Um, yeah, and that was with my food bag every second week. So anyway, um, so it's really looking, yeah, so we analyze the, the client's spending and then we, we work out. Because the, the biggest problem is, Emma, is that if we don't spend quite a considerable amount of time looking at the client's budget and, and seeing if it does work, we're blind because it goes on the expenses. So that's why I'll say to clients, look, there is a fee. Um, but if I if I if I don't think you've got a good chance, then obviously I'm going to give you some other tips and tricks. But then we also can't tell them 100 percent either until we've looked at all the expenses. So um, I have to make some judgment calls on that one and say to clients, look, there might be a 50-50 chance here. Do you want to look at going ahead or come back? Um, I'll be as honest as I can, but a lot of it is um, down to what they spend. Mm. Yeah, if you had a client that the, the goal was to buy a house yeah, um, and they came to you and said, I, I want to buy a house um, and, and you started the process with them, uh -huh. that's sort of the ideal situation because then you can start the process have a good look at where they're at financially and what their spending is mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. sit down with them to work out what they need to do yeah. to put themselves in the position of being able to buy a house and also be approved for a loan. Agreed. The thing is, like when you, I was going to say when you have a personal trainer, but that was me about 10 years ago. Um, we'll use that one as an example. When you pay for a service, um, like a personal trainer or whoever, um, you know, you you have to go and you feel like you've paid money. So you, you have to go. Um, and it's a bit like, you know, keeping people accountable. Like I, I could say to clients and, and I do say to clients and I wish everybody would listen to me when I say this. Um, but the biggest bit of free advice I can give clients um, is to go to budget services jubilee services or one of the likes and go in there it is free and sit down with them and do a budget yes it is like a word you may not have heard before but we need to go there people we need to go there including myself because i'm just starting a budget too um and i tell you what um i can a lot of people want me to do it for them and help them in it. And I can definitely do that. I need to set up a few more systems and I can possibly do that. But I can give you a template that I use for free for, you know, it's just what I use. The thing is you must look in the mirror, or actually not in the mirror, in your bank statements. Um, we you can look in the mirror at your bank statements at the same time if you like. 
Um, and face what you are spending because I didn't realize how much we were spending and I thought we were good with money and nobody does. Once you can see that, you can begin to make little changes. That's all it takes is some small changes. But if you're just going to go, oh, it's too hard, I can't be bothered, then, you know, that's, that's where it's going to be. It's just some small changes. And once you see that, once you see more debt being paid off or actually having the savings, that's not Kiwi saver, you think you are the queen or kingpin. You've got confidence, you've got the swagger, you're like, hey, I've got $1,000 in my savings account. What about you? Um, so it gives you that real confidence with money and you start almost getting a bit tight with money. Um, so your relationship changes, but you need somebody to kind of push you and encourage you along that path so that you will just do it. Mm, yeah. And also stay at home on a Saturday night and go, hey, let's get the accounts out and do a budget and have a glass of wine. You know, it's just like go to sleep. <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, and it's, but it's also about remembering the why you're doing it. Um, if your goal is to buy a house um, and you're not in the position to do it now, then something needs to change. And you you have to be the catalyst for that change. Otherwise, it's, the goal is just going to keep getting further and further out. Oh, there was other one really good tip I must say. It's an absolute knockout game changer and I mean knockout um there's a course that budget it's oh am I saying it right jubilee budget services run it's called money matters um I think it goes to six or seven or eight weeks and it is it's almost like money therapy it's it is amazing the people that take it, what they go through, what they talk about, some of the triggers of your spending, um, like it's just life-changing. It's free and they run them quite often. That there is like a, an absolute makeover. So if people are interested in that, either contact uh, Jubilee Budget Services or um, I can give you the information yeah we'll um, put a link in the notes link, yeah like yeah. that is that is just something worthwhile to actually go on a bit of a journey and it's free it's government funded I think so it's just really 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 good are they a nationwide organization I am not sure that's the problem mm, I'll find I that yeah 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 and have you done the course uh, no, but I've been to three of the sessions to talk about lending, and so Great. I sat in, um, and they let me listen into the rest of the the um the and it was like oh my gosh it was like a mini university degree I was like wow like wow. just learning about you know money you know your your the way it's perceived how you feel about it your spending. Um, they go quite deep it's and, and and the group really bond over it and learn things from each other it's really really beautiful wow it sounds like something they really should be doing in schools like in correct. their student form correct correct yeah, amazing because yeah we don't we we don't learn about money and I think that's what the problem is you know we we kind of grow up and start earning it and we're expected just to know what to do with it and how to take care of it and that's it. Like, you need to know this when you go flatting. Um, 
you know, and like going from that transition, like you're not at mum and dad's anymore and you need that kickstart. So having a course like that to get people prepared to not go out and get a gym card as soon as they hit 18 or, you know, the consequences of something, but instead they're having to learn by default. In some instances, that means you've got a bad credit rating because you've just gone and ticked up stuff and, you know, because mm. you kind of, it's just too easy. But with having more of responsible lending legislation across or triple C effort act across financial institutions, they do have to ask clients a few more questions now, which is good. Yeah. So credit ratings are still a thing. Like to me, it's always been a very American concept, a credit rating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely still a thing. Yeah. Um, so they will look at your um, credit history, of course. Um, if you've had something that's been paid off, like a, I don't know, a registration that someone, you know, you swapped cars and they hadn't paid and it's old, um, then, you know, those sort of wee ones are probably okay. Or the flatmate, you know, you, you had power in your flatmate's name and eventually got sorted. But if they're small and paid, you're generally okay. However, if not, we need to look at it case by case. Now, they also are quite detective-like, don't you worry, they've, well, they've got you every which way. They also, would you believe, now are linked to, are you up to date on your power bill, on your phone bill, on your this bill, that bill? Um, so it will show if you are late on certain bills um, and, and that, I don't know if it's factored into the credit score, but it's noted. Um, I tried to get access to that system, but they said only banks can um, can do them. But I think there's somewhere where you can get a free access to your credit um, credit uh, through Citrix. Is it, yeah, I can't quite pronounce what it's called, but I can send you that information and you can perhaps put that down there too so that people can get um, a copy of the report. Mm, great yeah absolutely so is it true that in order to get a credit rating you have to have a higher purchase or something that you've paid off or well yeah it, it, like if I did a credit check on a, a young person and they had um, nothing on there the first thing I think about is have I spelled their name right because normally people have a credit history but if the like I had a guy a few weeks ago who's a great saver and 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 he said, you know, I don't have a credit history. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, I said, that is so wonderful. I said, what I will do is I'll explain to the banks the situation. Um, uh, he's not quite bank ready yet, but he's getting close. So yes and no, like, yes, if they've got a credit history, it gives them a score. So it's good. Um, but, you know, you're also going to get, you're also considered a bit risky because they haven't seen you pay something off yet. You've got savings. So I guess the answer is, if you need something and it's you're not going to overcommit your budget and it's a five hundred dollar HP that you know that you could pay with cash or whatever, I doesn't think I don't think it hurts to get one or pay mm -hmm. it off before the interest kicks in. Um, so I think it's probably a good idea if 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 you can or if you need to get something small and and do it just so that you have got some history. Mm, yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, Brenda, this is wonderful. So many of my own questions have been answered. So I know the listeners are going to get so much from this. Yeah. Yes. Um, to round us off, you've got some really good advice for people, some tips and tricks that he might want to um, be kind okay. enough to lead us in on. Look, the, the biggest thing is to make sure, and these sound like all boring things, like, yeah, 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 but this is this is what banks look for. There's no, um, you know, gray area. It is what it is. So the, the, the number one is do not allow yourself to have any unarranged overdraft fees on your bank accounts. So if something comes out on a day that your money's not there, change that automatic payment or the direct debit date. It's an absolute no-no. Even if you've got an old account that you're not using and it gets fees on it, close it down. These are all the little widgets that you get judged on. Um, you know, if you've got, you know, gambling habits, gaming habits that are quite significant, um, you're going to need to kind of perhaps review that um, because they see that as, as not great habits. Um, I know it's your own money, don't shoot the messenger. But just, um, you know, um, perhaps just watch a bit more of Netflix because it's only like, oh, is it 20 bucks or something? Um, so just watching some of those areas that you spend. Um, once you've got your budget sorted and you're committed, that's where you can try and repay a bit more debt. Get those debts down. Do not pay the minimum. Don't have that $10 a month or week, you know, going into your credit card and just take the top off it. You've got to get stuck in there and just sort your accounts out so that you can pay your debt off quicker because um, those things are going to be counted when you get a loan. Um, talk to the bank of mum and dad. Um, uh, if you've got grandparents still around, I think you need my brothers and sisters that have got more money. I think you might have to have a family meeting. I would cook them a really nice dinner. I would offer them... Um, alcohol no. <laughs> um, and look I would just say look you know we really need a stepping stone here you know the way the market is you know 5k from a family member 20k gift from a family member um, every little bit helps and a lot of my clients say oh look you know we could do this we could get a gift get the gift um, you know, it's it sometimes a meaning of either paying rent for a long time or getting into your first home and paying your own mortgage off. So take those gifts. Um, uh, if you're in a pretty good position, um, you know, there are some other things like maybe considering upping your KiwiSaver um, or opening up another type of savings account where you're putting money into. Um because the market is quite volatile at the moment. Um, so, yeah, trying to just show and grow more money towards your deposit is key if you can. And I'm telling you, you always can, because when I've just looked at my budget, there is room for so much improvement. Um, you can do it, and you and you will do it. You've just got to decide that that's where you want to go. Um, yeah, keep your credit check, uh, check clean. Um, maybe to check that out and see, you know, pay your bills on time, no late payments on anything. Just um, a lot of people don't even go in and print out their bank statements, like who does these days? Um, because you get them all on the internet. So print off the last three months 
and take a hard look at where your money is going. And if you've got unarranged overdraft fees, if you've got dishonours, if you've got late payments, that's a good starting um, starting point. Yeah, amazing. Thank yeah. you. That's okay. Is there, is there anything else that you want to add? Um, look, I've had a couple of clients come to me and say, look, what if we buy the house for, the, um, for our ch child? And I was like, oh my gosh, like you're outstanding. They're very lucky to have you. Um, so a few parents have been doing that, um, but there is some things they need to consider with um, Brightline tests of if, you know, they make a gain on it, there is um, potential for tax to be paid. So there is some ways um, to mitigate that and make things work. So always get advice from a, a lawyer about that. Um, or an accountant on how to structure it. Um, so that can work out sometimes all your parents going in as joint borrowers. Um, it does get a little bit messier. And then, you know, down the track, you can take over the loan yourself by reapplying at the bank. But get good advice. Um, you can do anything you want, I promise. Um, I've seen clients that I've had for three or four years that um, have been chipping away and I've got them into their home loan. And so you've just, I think the biggest thing overall is that human beings in this generation, we have to learn to have patience. We've got to slow down and learn that we can't have a $600,000 house tomorrow. You may have to start off in a two bedroom flat and just have it really nice. So we've got to be patient. I'm here to help. Emma's uh, here to help you in between us. Um, you know, you've just got to get that good advice. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, because we do want everything now. <laughs> of course, I'm just the same. It's like, hello, I yeah. want it yesterday. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, the things that are worth having are often the things that are worth working towards as well. So, um, yeah. and sometimes if you don't get into your home straight away, there's a reason for it. I um, agree, 100%. When I see things go wrong and then a client will rebound and then I see them again and then they get the win. They're like, I'm so glad we didn't actually get that other house. Cause yeah, and, and it just, I see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And likewise, and it's something that I say to clients constantly as well, when they miss out on a house that they really wanted. So a million percent. Yeah. Right. And also, I think the market is changing so quickly now, um, and we can't really look back at um, previous cycles too much to kind of give us an idea of what's going to happen, because it, there's so much we're relying on. And like you say, come the 1st of June, the changes that are going to be announced then will have a huge impact on, on the market going forward. I absolutely agree. Um, a lot of people are sort of putting their two cents in to say, we've seen this and this is where we think we're going. But unfortunately, I'm just going to go on the side of the fence um, and kind of just, I'm waiting to see because I think people like to say, oh, we'll, we'll apply after the 1st of June. Like there's going to be these major changes, but let's mm. just wait and see what happens. It's all we can do and see what may change, may not, and just um, do the best that we can with the, the regulations given at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Brenda, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, this was absolutely amazing. And I, I can imagine it. that 
people will probably want to listen to this more than once um, because there is a lot of information in here. So relevant. Now, how can people get in touch with you? Okay, so um, you can just go to um, my website, brendanom.co.nz. There's a link there to a client inquiry that you can complete for first home buyers. And if you fill that in, then um, we'll give you a, a call to make a time to come in for a 30-minute um, appointment. Or if you do want to come in and, um, you know, have a longer appointment, we'll let you know that uh, what the options are there as well. So, yeah, otherwise you can just call us. Um, all my details are on our website. And, yeah, I'm just excited to try and help whoever I can um, with whatever they want to achieve um, in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for having me. It's been I just I get so excited talking about these things so I could um I'm just really really thankful um for bringing me on oh thank you just one more thing you're based in Invercargill yes Um, are you looking for clients outside of Invercargill or yeah so we do like now with Zoom um sometimes my Invercargill clients I see on Zoom so we can do appointments wherever and a lot of my insurance clients have shifted so we do reviews over Zoom. So certainly with the way of the technology now, um, um, and some clients use me and they live, you know, um, other parts of New Zealand. So yes, I'm open and definitely willing to accept new clients. Um, that's no problem. We can um, we can just, you know, help and change the world. Let's do it. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brenda. And um, we'll, we'll no post worries. notes up and enjoy your day thank you so much and you too thanks hun i hope you enjoyed the episode with brenda as much as i enjoyed chatting with her if you're anything like me you'll be off to sort out your budget and if you're looking at getting on the property ladder make sure that you take note of her tips if you'd like to get in touch with brenda you can do so through her website, brendanom.co.nz. Don't forget, you can also download our app, Easy Law, from the Apple and Google stores. And you can contact me, emma at emmastanleylaw.com. I'd also love some feedback on the podcast. If you've got any questions, please get in touch.